in Italy, we say that we have flying feedback. During the game, you give a flying feedback to the players. So while he's running, you tell him the feedback and that's it. Or there are the stopping feedback, the one that you stop the game, you stop what the guy's doing. And I think this is one of the things that makes the difference between a good coach or a great coach. To be ready to fix mistakes and to use the right words in the right moment. Hi, I'm Dan Krikorian. And I'm Patrick Carney. And welcome to Slapping Glass, exploring basketball's best ideas, strategies, and coaches from around the world. Today, we are excited to welcome video coordinator and assistant for the Euro Cup champion from Italy, Virtos Bologna, Jacopo Scorcina. Coach Scorcina is here today to discuss coaching roles and staff dynamics, the elements of play and offensive design, and we talk coaching growth and cutting to post during the always fun start, sub, or sit. Our coaching platform, SG Plus, has received some huge additions of late, as coaches can now not only get access to over 500 of our own breakdowns, but from some of the world's best coaches and teachers as well. SG Plus now includes content from Liam Flynn, Cody Toppert, and Jimmy Oakman, to name a few, teaching topics on all sides of the ball. Visit slappingglass.com for more information today. And now, please enjoy our conversation with Coach Jacopo Scorcina. Well, Coach, a lot of stuff to get to today. And one of the places that we wanted to start with you is your role as a video coordinator what you do on a day-to-day basis, you know, you're working with one of the best coaches in the world and Sergio Scariola and the things that he wants from you as a video coordinator, the information, the analytics, you know, all that goes into you doing your job well and helping the team from that standpoint. First of all, he wanted it all. <laughs> he wanted it all means he needs a lot of information. But to start, I have to say that before our great coach, because everyone knows he's a, one of the best, one of the goals of all time, uh, is a great human being, first of all. So I think this is the key that build our house here in Bologna. Great person who has a great knowledge, of course, but who has great relation with the players, with the staff, and of course with us like assistant coaches. So this is the basic, I think, because it's important how we ask for things, how we ask us without a lot of pressure. It's always Calm is always unbelievably under control, <laughs> what it asks. So this is, I think, the first thing that to say about Sergio. Second thing, what he needs. He needs a lot of things, as I said, and he needs from video to stats to depth charts or whatever it is about everything, the individual, so the personnel, say, the players, about the team, so general stuff but also outside the court about the referees, about courts or how many fans are allowed during this pandemic (laughs) period, you know. Everything is important for him. And what is great about Sergio is how he collects everything and how he's able to summarize, synthesize everything in main topics and what is very important for the team because, of course, the goals at the end are is the team, you know. Coach, you know, talking beforehand about the roles of different members of your staff. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Scariola 
likes having someone that's more of like an offensive coordinator, more offensive minded coach, some more defensive coordinator, obviously you being in the video coordinator role. Can you talk a little bit about those different roles and then I guess how it helps with the communication with Scariola and getting information to him that he needs? I like to say that it's quite similar to the American football, you know, where you have the defensive coach, offensive. So U.S. mentality. And it's great because, again, it's the first time I see that too, you know. So I'm pretty amazed about that because he split every part of the game in coaches. Every coach has his own responsibility. And the thing is, you can do that better, I think, because you have all responsibility of that. So you have to be focused 100% on your part of the job. And it helps in the way that also players knows where to go. For example, I am the, okay, the video coordinator. Yesterday, Toko Shangelia came to me to have me video edit some clips about the last game, about a specific part of the game, of his game. You know, I'm the video coordinator. He knows where to go. We talk about defense. Of course, players can ask to everyone. I'm not stupid to say, okay, I'm the only one, you know, or the defensive assistant coach is the only one. Of course, it's not like this, but they know where to go. It's easier for them too. We help each other, of course. For example, as a video coordinator, I do a lot of video about the opponents. So I help the defensive coach in order to choose the sets that we have to scout, to select the personnel, the specific characteristic of every opponent, every player. So, of course, we help each other, we share information, but at the end of the day, <laughs> we bring this information. Everyone brings his own information to Sergio. So my responsibility is to give him the package of uh, video and stats and to put it on the, his computer, on our, we have a cloud, a server where we put everything there. Also, players can enter and uh, look some stuff that we uploaded. And for example, the defensive coach, is responsible, of course, on the game plan of the defensive kids we're going to analyze and we're going to share with the players. So I think it makes our job easier. He believes a lot in that. Sergio believes a lot in that, in this structure. And I think it's pretty efficient. Coach, I'm assuming that Sergio wants all the stats, but what maybe are the, the most important stats that you then transmit to the players? We, what we transmit players, let's say the first video meeting for the game that we start to talk about the game. So we talk about the personnel or we talk about our offense, what will be our offense against them. Of course, there are eight clips shown to the player. The main stats, other team, the picture of the team through the stats. So for example, let's say we're going to face uh, Trento in our league and they are very good at offensive rebound. So this is the one that among all the stats we're going to choose. So they are going to crash the boards, you know, so because they are very great offensive rebound, this is one of the main stats. Or they are the team with the most two-point attempts and the least at three-point attempt. So this may hold an information that is important for the players. Why? Because probably they're going to be a team that is going to go hard inside the paint. So maybe it's not so important, pass me the term, how you play closeout. Maybe it's more important to contain and feel the paint, you know, yeah. the gaps in transition is solid inside the paint. And talking about other information that are important more for us than not for the players, we have some guys that help us with deep stats about everything. And we have day rotations of the last five, six, seven 
games. And this is important for us to, for our matchups during the game, to understand the style of their coach too, because of course, every coach has a style of a, and make his own choice. We have a team breakdown and players breakdown difference in the last four games. So we can tell our players who is hot in the moment, always stepping up. Or for example, we used to use colors to build the differences between good things and bad things about team and players. For example, I don't know, we're going to play against Cameron Reynolds of Trento. In the last four games, he shot 47% three-point, okay? So it will be green, baby, because he usually shoot at 40%. So this plus 7% makes it a green. So to our highs, crystal clear that he's shooting great in the last four. So it's very important in this game, we go aggressive on his closeout against him. You know, it's easier to read it than to say, you know, but, uh, or for example, if some guy is shooting 40% during the season, but in the, let's say in April played four games and he shot like 25%, maybe is red. The color is red. So it's negative. And so probably is not in shape, is not in the zone, is not in this right moment. So we use this information also for our players personal. So. Uh, we had yeah. and maybe the first game we would play against them in September was completely different, and so we want to to share with with the players this information because it's important, and we believe this is important. Coach, you've mentioned it a little bit kind of within our conversation about roles and things like that, but we wanted to shift a little bit to playbook design and tweaks and adding things to your offense and all that goes into basically building a playbook throughout the season. And so we'll start there broadly with the way that you guys view implementing a playbook and then starting to build it as the season progresses. So I started with the previous experience. I've been assistant coach with many important head coaches. Uh, one of them was one of the most important one because he's the, the one with most benches in the first league in Italy. He got a very short playbook, only, I think, 15 calls, more or less. And it was like 10 starting the year, but then only this 10 and added something because we, as assistant coaches, we tried to sneak out <laughs> and try to add something, talking with the players. It was so good in coaching that, in that way, and coaching every day for the whole year, this 15 sets that he produced a great season and it was very accurate and clear in everything he said. It was crystal clear everything he wanted and it was easier for the players, first to remember and second to every time to get back to the basic, let's say, to this 10 sets. So it was very easy for them. And one thing that I see during my career and this year I see another thing because Sergio has a larger book. Sergio wants more sets and add maybe every week something, we call it adjustment or simply because adjustment means we change something or we add something to our playbook. And it's totally different from this coach that was Cesare Pancotto. But I think that we are doing a great season too. So in my opinion, what is important is not how large is this playbook, but how you coach it. How you go on the court and coach and how much you are coherent in your ideas and in what you are telling to the players. I believe, I'm in between. <laughs> I believe in both ways, you know, because I think that also adding sets 
is important because why? Because it helps you also in the defensive part of the game because you have our side. Okay, this is a sort of a four corner speaker roll with the flare. The, the foreman goes in the flare. Probably it's going to be a call that you're going to find during the year because many teams use it. So you can train also the defensive part of the set. So I don't know. It's a perfect set to work on show edging defense on the pick and roll, uh, to work on ice defense, uh, to work on next defense because, you know, probably somebody's going to next. I don't know, Spanish teams are next in. So we're going to work on slot cut. We're going to work on corner cuts. We're going to work a lot of things. And this is one thing that Coach Trinchieri of Bayern Monaco told during a Zoom call. And I really stop that and say, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but in the same way, it's important to have the set. Why? Because every set must fit your players. My follow-up was going to be is just tweaking sets and adding sets that were based off of things that are good for your players versus things that maybe attack a certain coverage. Both ways. <laughs> Why? Because, for example, we have to attack the edge. So we use a specific set that we already have or we add a set because we need it, because we need it for that game, because it can be helpful. But for example, in the same game, we have many points of emphasis on offense. So probably we're going to use or add or a tweak set. Why? Because Kai Wims got to play post-up against this specific player. Or Toko Shengelia can pop and face up against another specific player. Or we want to force a switch. So... Of course, we think a lot about this. And before the game, on our rotation, we call it the file <laughs> on the computer, we call it rotation. <laughs> okay. Uh, on our rotation file, we write down and we summarize all the sets that we're going to use it or probably going to use because we need it. Because during the game, when the pressure is high, when you know, you're not thinking clear, you got to be ready with this paper and <laughs> you know, you're going to read it and you're going to use it. And sometimes it's hard to remember all the sets, but to avoid this problem, we put all the sets in a cloud, in a server, the, the one that I saw before. And so the players can go and look at them or refresh. One month ago, we worked on our side because we wanted to attack the edge. We refresh it for the next game, for the next opponent. And so we say to the players, okay, you can have it also on the next cloud. So you can go there, refresh your memory, <laughs> and please yeah. get ready when you, when you are on the court because we're going to say that, you know? So don't forget that. <laughs> For sure. And coach, just kind of piggybacking off of that, maybe looking at more on the court, you know, with limited practice time, how are you keeping the players up to date or current or remembering your playbooks and everything as you progress? We started to believe a lot in video. So after almost every game, we do video about offense, about defense. And we go starting usually from the negative topics. So for example, we forgot a couple of times an SOB, okay, an OB play. And we show them the two clips about it the day before the game. And then we work a lot of five on zero, of course, especially after games. You know, maybe you don't have so many time. You cannot have five on five. You cannot have contact. And so we work on five on zero. We have a lot of walkthrough before every practice. And they are like, for me, our clinics. I mean, it's Sergei's is a, a, a human dictionary. It's unbelievable. They are, the players are always also, we want them 
to talk about basketball, to look at basketball, to look about our stuff, to be ready on our stuff. Again, we have this cloud where we put on personal folders or general, let's say, team folder. Uh, we put the, the thing that they have to remember, they have to know, they have to refresh, and we invite them to go and watch it. I believe that we work a lot on 5.0 because, of course, we have short amount of time. And yeah. 5.0 is like the video. We believe a lot on video. So after every game, every coach have a responsibility of three, four, or five players, depending on how we split it. And after every game, we show them in the right, let's say, first day after or the second day that we go in the gym, because maybe we have a rest day after the game when we are lucky. And we show every assistant coach, talk with the player and show a short video about what we believe is important. So, for example, next game, we're going to face a drop team you know, that playing defense. And the previous game, they were playing hedge aggressive. I don't know, maybe I'm not showing immediately this edge defense that they play against Cordinier on the pick and roll. But maybe I'm going to show him the game before that we face a drop, how we attack it because it will be important for the next one. Or if it's not necessary to go so specific, maybe we just show them what they do great, what they do not so great. Then this is basically a huge amount of work, but reduced to very few clips, very few information to the players in order to be yeah. ready for the next game. Staying on this topic, I have to imagine your playbook isn't 30, 40 plays of all just random plays that I'm assuming, are you guys putting in like a couple spacings or entries that you work out of? So the guys are comfortable within it and then it's just tweaking within the plays as you add and add. Would that be correct in saying how you guys kind of organize your playbook? Yeah, of course. We started our basic spacing on everything. On pick and roll, we have this kind of spacing. On low post catches, we have another spacing. In transition, we have a specific spacing. Random is not the, <laughs> the word that we use here because with the circle, nothing is random. <laughs> Everything is really, 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 really specific. Everything is really studied before. And what is important for me as a coach, something that I learned this year is that you really have to choose the proper spacing and the proper sets, plays for your players. You have to put the right clothes on your player. I make an example. I'm a player, okay? Jacopo, I'm a player. I'm not good at playing pick and rolls. Probably I'm going to play, I don't know, posta because I'm good on that or pin downs because I'm a shooter or somebody that can curl aggressive. So my characteristics make my skills makes the plays, you know? And, and we use them in specific moments. Of course. Also, when we started the year, the spacing were right for the specific players. So, for example, when Milos is on the court, we use some sets, some spacing, and we use more situation related probably to pick and roll. Yeah. Because why? Because he's a, he's a genius. Yeah. So, <laughs> probably we're going to go straight on it. When Bellinelli is on the floor, it's not a great pick and roll player, but it's an unbelievable off the screen player. You know, so. We're gonna, the number of pin downs is gonna grow. <laughs> so, this is something that it's easy to say, but when you're coaching, last year I was head coach in the second league, it is not so easy 
to put in practice, to put in on the paper, you know, for the players. So something that I learned and something that I'm learning too now and it's not so important. It's the crucial part of the game, I believe, because I think we play very good offensive basketball and I think it's only because we go straight on the player skills that is the most important thing. Nothing is random. Hey, coaches, we'd like to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Instat. They have been hands down the biggest resource we've used in generating our content. Their expansive database of over 30,000 players and 7,000 teams gives us the access we need to scout, notice trends, and learn from some of the best coaches in the game today. So join coaches of all levels who are using Instat to better prepare for their opponents, self-scout, and develop their players. By going to instatsport.com form and entering the promo code SGPOD, coaches can receive one free month of Instat Scout and 10% off their subscription. That's sgpod at instatsport.com form. Thanks again to Instat for their support. And now back to our conversation. Coach, what's unique about your club is obviously depth. You have so many skilled players. You're obviously going to play more spacings, more pin downs, or if, you know, Shangela's in or playing through the post. So maybe if we look at preseason or when you have time to practice more, yes. how are you working on these spacings so guys understand are comfortable? Yeah, when Milos is running the pick and roll, you know, we get to this spacing. Or yeah, when we're going to start doing pin downs for Bellinelli, that the other four or three players are also all on the same page and you can seamlessly move in and out of, you know, attacking and being versatile. First of all, it's work. I mean, you have to work a yeah. lot on spacing, you know, because of course they come from different situations, different clubs, maybe different ideas. So of course you have to work a lot to hold everyone together. You request also that the players are coachable and our players are really, really coachable. And talking about specific spacing, let's say when Milos play a pick and roll, he's so good in advance with the ball, overcome the edge, or for example, find the right man in the double tag or in the single tag that maybe we stop the players on the three-point line. <laughs> we don't tell them to cut or we say, okay, and just make an example. Let's say we stop there and just wait for the ball because the role of our big man and the thing that Milos is handling the ball put a pressure on the defense. So probably you're going to be completely free, completely open, <laughs> just standing there. Or maybe when somebody else is playing the pick and roll, okay, we want some hard cuts or we want a different angle of screen. So we work also on this and maybe spacing is more individual details. I think it's all related, you know. We believe a lot going more specific in tactic. We believe that against stunts, we want to cut. It's a simple thing, but it's unbelievably efficient. For example, on pin downs, I'm the passer and I give the ball to the shooter, let's say, coming off the screen. My defender is going to stunt. If I cut, very simple thing, okay, probably I'm going to put the defense in trouble because they're going to help from the last man, going to help from the weak side. And so what is important is that the shooter is going to hit a shot, of course, or hit the right man is open because the cutter forced the defense to make a choice. You want to stand? Okay, I cut. You don't want to stand? I'm not going to cut. So probably the shooter is going to be open to take yeah. a shot or an aggressive curl, let's say depending again on our characteristics or the good pass also. And this is 
one thing about stunting on pin downs, but there is stunting on pick and roll. To be extremely coherent on that, we want on stunts, we want to cut, slot cut. <laughs> it's very easy, you know, but sometimes the easiest things are the most efficient, the most, the right choice in the right moments. These are two examples. There are many others on edge pick and roll with some players. We want short rolls with other players. We want long rolls. Why? Because the kind of pass, it's hard, not only for the passer, for the pick and roll player, but also for the big man, because some bigs can handle the short roll, can use it and pass in the right moment. Some others cannot. Yeah. So we're talking about the preseason. Of course, we cannot put everything together. It's step by step you know we start from the very very basics so let's say we start with one thing two things okay about spacing on low post and then during the year okay this working perfect keep going like this it's not working or we can adjust better we adjust it we work on another thing so this is the coaching part you know recognize and coach and adjust and sergio in that is the master. Coach, if I could ask you even more like specifically on how you guys work on those things, if someone were to come to a practice and you guys are implementing, let's say a new set or working on something, would you see mostly, you know, when you're implementing it, is it going to be a progression of five on O, three on three, four on four, five on five? What's maybe a progression of getting these guys like the actions you just mentioned that they're working on? How do you build up to the five on five to get them comfortable in those things? We have so short time <laughs> that <laughs> our progression is five on zero, no, walk through five on zero, five on five. This is the progression. Sometimes we have the chance to have some maybe three on three or four on four, but because we are a lot, so <laughs> we use it to have more this specific situation because it's important to coach it in that way, but rarely happens. So this is the progression. Last year when I was coaching as a head coach, I used more progression, working more on two on two, three on three, four on four. Also, in, I used individual workouts to work on the next play that we were adding. You know, this year we don't have this time. So we got to be great on what we're doing and what we need. So let's say we add uh, four up and we go walk through on that, five on zero on that, five on five on that. Stop, that's it. Then we see that on the paper also, on the game plan, we have adjustment. As I said before, the adjustments are, we add this, okay, we put it so you can see that in your diagrams and that's it. Sure. And how do you guys make sure that the 510 is a productive segment so that they understand it and then they can transfer it over to the 515? First thing, you got to believe in that. If you coach first, don't believe in that, for sure the players break their ball. If you believe that the 510 is helpful, and not it's helpful, it's necessary, your urgency, if you show them the urgency to go 510, for sure they will understand. I believe also that the more you go on High level, again, this is my first year in Virtus at the top level in Europe. And I see that these guys are unbelievably coachable. So if you ask them to play five on zero, they go on it. No doubt. Of course, sometimes you got to have a balance. You cannot go hard every day. You know, you have to run like crazy. You have to come on, push, push, push. Of course, you have to feel the moment. Again, (laughs) the coach. Is very good on that. But if you believe in that, at the end of the year, the players 
also have fun to pass each other the ball, to do five on zero because it's better. Maybe some strength and conditioning coach can kill me, but <laughs> to move with the ball is better than move without the ball. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, in order to avoid this yep. 10 more minutes of strength and conditioning coach, of course, we use 10 minutes. I'm honest. We don't do 40 minutes of five on zero. We don't do 30 minutes of five on zero. You know, it's very short, very precise. We go on it, on our goals, and we work on that. And we are serious when we are asking them to play five on zero. It's not a circus. And the players, they know that they're professional. They got to do that. Okay. Maybe sometimes annoying, but it's helpful. Other coaches don't believe it's five on zero. Also, or waves, you know, <laughs> the wave. We don't use it, for example, but I believe it's helpful. Why? Because you pass yep. each other the ball because it's a good warm up. You run the floor and you get ready. And you are ready in five minutes, three minutes, two minutes, eight minutes to be in the practice for three on three, five on five, four on four, whatever it is. So we believe in that. Coach, one last five on O question. I mean, I know the answer is all of it's going to be important. What do you weigh in terms of, is it more important that they give effort and intensity to the five on O, or is it more important that they're precise, detailed, and like have the timing right, and then we'll get them to raise the intensity? 50-50, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> at the very beginning, is not so important intensity. The intensity must grow during the five on zero. Let's say we got eight minutes or 10 minutes of five on zero. The first couple of minutes is not important intensity. It's important to remember sets and to solve our questions. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, we ask them to go straight on the pick and roll, okay, running pick and roll against edge defense, and we want to pass the ball to the short roll. Okay, so we don't ask you to run 100% like crazy, you know, but we want that the guys go for it. So run the pick and roll, play the against edge, and pass to the short roll. We have assistant coaches. I'm the one that <laughs> stay on the court that play, you know, fake defense. So it's important at the beginning more this than to run up and down. To do that, we start off court and then, for example, four minutes off court and four minutes full court, you know. So in the first four minutes, remember the sets and go on our goals. On the other four minutes, we want to do that 100%. So we want to go on our details but we want to go on details on full speed. So you got to be ready because in eight minutes, you're going to be five on five contacts and competition <laughs> because yeah. these players are in competitions, you know, even if they are very good guys, but they play hard. So yeah. if you're not ready when we're going to play hard, then come tomorrow, you know? <laughs> Coach, if I could keep asking about maybe a practice or what somebody might see if they came, if you're going to be somewhat complex, in your offensive playbook, where you're going to have a lot of tweaks, you're going to be doing a lot of stuff. Are the drills in your practice or the number of drills in your practice fewer? Is it a simple practice because you're going to spend so much time tweaking, adding plays, working on your offense, your defensive coverages? Like how many drills or new drills would you say that you guys add on a weekly basis? Or is it pretty simple week to week on what you do from a drill standpoint? You mentioned the weave, but anything else that you would do from a drill standpoint? Usually our drills are more basically 90% five on five drills. During the preseason, when we have more time, we play a lot four on four, three on three. During the practice, we have a lot of drills, short, limited minutes, because we got to be ready to listen and put it on the floor. 
it's very cautious for the players because a single mistake is not allowed. No mistakes in terms of pass the ball in the right time, the right moment. But let's say don't make mistakes because you listen to the drill. We got to do, I don't know, floppy and side pick and roll. Okay. If you make these mistakes, it's a problem because we have four minutes to work on it. And so please be ready, listen and put the right thing in the practice. We work, of course, defense and offense. We, we split the, say, the practice in two, okay, more or less. Talking about drills, we work on opponents, sets, opponent plays. We work a little bit defense on that. And usually there are not so many repetitions, but we show them yeah. what we want to do on the walkthrough or before the five on five. And they do that for, I don't know, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. It depends on, <laughs> on what we have. It's never a long practice. It's maybe one hour, one hour, 15 Sometimes one hour, 30 practice, but it's not a three hours long right, practice. Right. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Whole style, <laughs> you know, where we are. <laughs> Coach, run, let's go. Keep playing, keep playing. <laughs> and after three hours, they got yeah. injuries. They got the physiotherapy. They want to kill <laughs> yeah, you. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Strength and conditioning. They be spraying. Yeah, you know? <laughs> for sure. No, no, not like this. <laughs> Coach, you're talking about for time purposes, going 510 and then a bulk of what you guys are doing is 515. I'm wondering more specific about the 515. Do you have different types of 515 drills? You know, is it just a kind of a competitive scrimmage? Are you scripting how the 515 is played? Sure. The practice structure during the year, you know, more or less is the same, of course. But we use different strategies on our 515. For example, we have the 505 until basket. So we go until somebody scores. Why? Because we need to replicate, reproduce a game situation. Okay. Where you run. Okay. Maybe after two or three floors, the ref called foul. So we got to stop. So that's a game situation. Or we can have like less two minutes in a game. So we go 68, 69 for uh -huh. the black team. <laughs> less two minutes. And we play a real game with real five on five. We are real. I don't know, maybe the last two minutes is with a bonus D for both teams, or maybe we got one more foul. So recognize situations that we're going to find during the game. Or one good drill, I, I like it, I love it, is 45 seconds or 50 seconds to the end. And how many possessions do we have? We don't know, maybe because we can have the two per one, you know, because the first team shot after five seconds. So we got 45 seconds. Okay take a quick shot or 35 seconds, take a quick shot in order to have a two per one, you know? And the other team can do the same if you have the right time. We use sets in that way. Usually we play more on the minutes. What I mean, the drill is five minute drill because we got to work on the previous four up that I told you before, okay? We got to work four minutes on four up. It's more related to the minutes than on specific things about game. We want to work more on the set and we can choose to have only half court or half court plus one. Why? Because we want some transition. We want to let them run something also in transition. When you're going five on five and you're going up and down with someone like Coach Scariola, who has such a great mind and all of that, how much is he stopping and blowing the whistle and teaching or versus how much is he just letting them play and speaking kind of at the end? We stop quite a bit related to other coaches I've been, they were like, go, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going, you know? But the thing that Sergio is very good on correcting mistakes in the breaks. So as soon as the four-up situation has finished, this specific possession, 
stop, it goes straight away to me to tell me, hey, you got to play this kind of defense better. Or if it's a team teaching point, it stops everyone and talks a little bit. I think that this is one of the things that makes the difference between a good coach or a great coach. Sure. You know, to be ready to fix mistakes and to use the right words in the right moment. What I mean, in Italy, we say that we have flying feedbacks, you know, while during the game, you give a flying feedback to the players. So, so while he's running, you tell him the feedback and that's it. Or there are the stopping feedback, the one that you stop the game, you stop what the guy's doing. And for all the team, you have to say something on the pick roll, the low post, on the defense, on the offense. And he's very good on that because he knows how to choose the right moment to select the particular moment in which he had to go hard on a player or he had to go hard on the team or even just keep running, keep going. For example, we had an important game some weeks ago and the day before, he was very, let's say, relaxed. It was more uh, easygoing, you know? It was, okay, let them play. Don't give so many feedback. Why? Because they need to just play. Don't think a lot about that. Of course, when there was a huge mistake, I call it teaching point because we call it like this. There are no mistakes. There are teaching points. <laughs> That's the thing. And when there is a, a important teaching point for this game that is coming, of course, it will stop because he believe it's helpful. How to choose that, the right feedbacks, it's what makes a coach a great coach. Coach, this has been great so far. We're going to transition to a segment that we play here on the show with every guest called Start, Sub, or Sit. And so what we'll do is we'll give you three different basketball topics and choices, and we'll ask you to choose one that you would start, one that you would sub, and one that you would sit. I'm under pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Okay. So the first subject of this first question for you has to do with ways that younger coaches can grow in the off season. We know that everybody can go to coaching clinics and sit and listen to coaches and things like that, which are awesome. But these are three other ways that maybe you could grow as a coach. So your start would be what you think would be the most important. So start, sub, or sit, growth as a younger coach, going and watching other practices, self-study, or the third one is getting together with small peer groups and having discussions on Zoom or talking with other small peer groups to just kind of stimulate growth. So start, sober, sip, those three ways to grow as a young coach. I start with the first, to go and watch it. Okay. Uh, some the third one. Peer groups. Yeah. And see the second one. You put me in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'd love to start with your start. So yeah. you talked about the most important thing would be to go watch other practices. Why do you think that is the best way? Because everyone should do that. <laughs> everyone, believe me. Also, during the year, let's say the season, you got to go and watch other coaches' practices, other coaches' meetings, maybe if they allow. Why? Because first of all, you can listen to the feedbacks. Listen and why you are watching, you know? So what, what the mistakes or the good thing is happening. So you have a vision of what is really important. Because if a coach is telling to a player something, this is important for him. So you can also balance the amount of information, and which is important, which is not. Second, you can talk after practices, after meetings with the same coach or with assistant coaches or with players, maybe if you know them or you have the chance to talk with them. And in that sense, you can have a personal feedback or you can ask questions. 
your information will be better. There is nothing. There is no wall between you and information. Is a you know is something that you gather and you collect and you use for your own personal thing. And the third thing is to have a larger vision. Not only about good things. I can go and watch your practice. You're a great coach. I can learn a lot. But I can go to another coach, or you can come to me. I'm a bad coach, and you see something that is for you is wrong. But this is a, another teaching point for you. Why? Because you can think, but why is doing that? And why I will not do that? And mistakes are <laughs> more important sometimes than right things. You know, I believe in that, and I believe that the real contact with these things is better than a Zoom call than simply a peer group of people talking because the thing is basketball is about facts, you know, <laughs> it's about playing, it's about playing. So go and work. And the last thing, of course, you can build relationships that are helpful for you during your career, your life or your friendship because th there is something more than basketball, a lot more, <laughs> not something, a lot more than basketball. So be relations. Absolutely. Oh, I start with that all the time. All the time, believe okay. me. Okay, I love that, love that. <laughs> Coach, my follow-up has to do with your sit, the kind of self-study film study, which is unique because obviously in your role, you're the video coordinator. So how are you learning, basically? I mean, you're seeing so much video of opponents, of yourselves. What are you taking away from your experience as a video coordinator that you think will help you be a better coach? I think I'm not particularly talented. I mean, I'm not, I don't know, Milos Teodosic of coaching, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> I'm not. Or Messina or Scariola, they started coaching at 28 in the first league and they won the championship and everything. No, I'm not like this. I'm a quite regular coach. I'm a student of the game. And I cannot say that I'm stealing these or my learning that because I'm starting and learning every day, really, every day from everyone, from players. I ask players things that maybe I don't know or just not ask them. But for example, when I see Milos, when I see Todosic, I look at him and I want to understand why it's so good. For example, talking about specific things, it's really amazing how we get the defensive rebound and he got his head already turned to the offensive court. You know, everybody say, okay, it's very good to throw long pass to the rim runners, you know, but how you can do that? Because not only technique, you know, how you pass the ball, two hands, chest pass, or one hand, right. baseball pass. No, no, no. His eyes, his eyes are ready to pass the ball. And you already see what you still have to see, <laughs> you know? And he turns his neck and he's looking over there. And I learned that not asking, just watching him. And I think I'm not one of the that ask many, many, many questions. I want to, before asking question, first I want to look the thing that I want to understand, looking twice, <laughs> try to understand yeah. why is happening that or why is doing that. And then maybe I ask if I don't understand. I'm quite good in remembering things. So like a photographic memory, no? <laughs> sure, yeah. So I have in my mind all the things that I need, you know, particularly thing that, I learned today and okay, if I solve it in the sense that, okay, I got it and I can use it as my information, good. If I'm not understanding really what's happening, I go to ask. It's not stopping. Also, I try to understand during my videos while I'm working, how to be better, how to do the things better for the coach, because this is my goal for the coach and for the player. So while I'm doing something, I say, how can I reduce 
not my work, the hours <laughs> that I spend on the, with the computer, but how can I be more effective on what I'm doing? And it's like using the proper words. Who's a great coach? Is the one that can explain you something in three words, in two words, in one word, you know, like this, in a click. And I want to be like that also on video, not only on explaining a drill or explaining, a, talking to a players after a film meeting. No, I want to be in good on that also every day on videos. And I want to learn that every day. I don't believe, you know, I work with Sergio, so I'm learning more than someone else. Of course, I'm looking something different, but it depends on you. If you are, I don't, San Mauro Torinese is my city, <laughs> my own Turin. I can learn the same because there are so many things to learn that you have to be good on that. Of course, the level here is higher, so I'm not stupid saying that it's better to be here than in Torino. Sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, coaches. This segment of Start, Sub, or Sit is brought to you by our friends at Practice Planner Live. Practice Planner Live has combined all the components of effective, efficient, and time-saving practice planning into one easy-to-use platform, saving your most valuable resource as a coach, time. Ditch the Word docs and the scribbled legal pads for a simple point-and-click experience to build your drill directory, collaborate with your staff, and create clean, customized, and shareable practice plans in minutes. With over 75,000 practice plans created at the professional, collegiate, high school, AAU, and youth levels, Practice Planner Live is proven to raise the level of organization and effectiveness of any program. Listeners of the podcast can visit practiceplannerlive.com and register for a free 21-day trial and enter the promo code SGPOD to get 10% off your subscription. Thanks for listening. And now back to our conversation. All right, coach, our next start for you has to do with getting a perimeter player into the post. So the best ways or the way you like to get a perimeter player, a good post touch into the post and a clean catch 45, cut him into the post, throw him the ball on the perimeter and allow him just to bully drive or back down or screen him into the post, a back screen, maybe a shuffle screen to get him a clean post touch? It depends on the opponents first, I think. For example, if we want to force a switch, maybe, I don't know, with a cross screen, one, two, you know, because we want to post up our two men, you know, but the defense is good because they're playing with sized, uh, sized perimeter players against our guy that we want to post him up. So we can use cross screen and force a switch, maybe. I don't know, pistol action with a step picker or to force a switch in transition when they are not ready. And so we want to post him up like this. Or other teams are very good on defending screens. So maybe we can use more backdoors that I believe that are always efficient if you do that the right way. So I don't know, in a, you know when you want to swing the ball, also in transition, I call it Maccabi motion. You know, when the big man catch the ball on top, look for the high low, nothing. Okay, he turns his head. We have a backdoor and replace, you know, this easy situation that everybody runs it. If you are very good at that, you can post up the, let's say the three men. Why? Because on the backdoor, if you don't get the ball, probably the defense is out of balance to try to deny the pass, you know? And so probably if the ball is thrown to the guys that's going to replace from the corner, probably there will be a, an open passing line to our three men that is playing the back door. And we can post him up like this, you know, and it's easy way without screening, without nothing. I believe that to 
post up someone, we can post up a perimeter player in many ways. So I don't believe that we only use this is the right thing to do. Try to understand also, basically, all your personal. So I'm a terrible player <laughs> to use screens, <laughs> probably. Don't let me use the screens. Or I'm a terrible player off the ball because I'm slow, whatever it is. Okay, try to use something else. Maybe I can screen the ball. Use a Spanish with uh, three guards involved. Why not? I screen <laughs> the ball, I roll inside, and let's see what happens, you know? Because maybe they're switching. Okay, if the back figure is a smaller guy, maybe this switch I can seal inside. So I can seal and have a post-up catch from one of the two big men in the corner. I'm not imagining something, but this is the thing. Again, I think there is no answer, you know, every time. <laughs> Sorry about that. But what is important is why you post up this player, this perimeter player, because he can do that. Okay, let's do that. He cannot do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Make him run something, yeah. else, you know? Coach, my follow-up is just with that uh, Maccabi action. And when you're running that 45 backdoor cut, is that going to be most times maybe just the read? Just kind of understanding maybe before the game, he said, this is a matchup we're willing to go to in the post. So if it happens naturally, let's look to exploit it. Or is it more, we're going to make a set call out of that Maccabi. So when he swings it, we know he's backdoor cutting with in mind that we're going to post him. Yeah, I know what you mean. This year, for what I'm looking now, it's a call and it's a goal. We call four up again, because we want to have a 45 slot cut and post up Shangelia. We go for it. Of course, we have reads, but when we want to go somewhere and we almost always want to go somewhere <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. So we want to run a picker or run a post-up situation okay we go for a specific call what is important to make the players understand is the effort that you put on your cut you don't have to cheat you have to go we play in the Maccabi motion we want a slot cut you have to believe that you are going to get the ball not on the post-up but on the back door if you realize you you player you realize that you play hard back door and you make a bucket, the next time, probably they're going to be worried about your back door. It's going to be easier to catch the ball on low post, you know, on the, on the shade, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. the, on the replacement, <laughs> put the ball in. If the question is that one, I believe that this is the most important thing, <laughs> more yeah. than everything else. And of course, we can talk hours about technique, how to pass the ball to the back door, how to, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> about everything, how to post up, how to seal, how to do everything. But put your effort to make the defense, to make a choice. What do you want to do? You wanted to play defense on the back door or on the post up? You cannot play defense on both. Okay, coach. Our next one, you're defending a pick and roll now. So how you think about defending the pick and roll and in terms of maybe choosing your coverage or how you want to rotate within your coverage, what worries you the most? So these three things that maybe worry the most that will be the biggest factor is in choosing what and how you defend it. Is it the guard, maybe the ball handler and him scoring and attacking? Is it the short roll, getting the ball to the short roll or giving up corner threes and the spray out passes and giving up three pointers? Star, I go again with the ball handler with the first one. Sit, I go with the short roll. Okay. And sub, I go with the, with the three, say. Okay. So coach, my follow-up is then let's just start with the guard. What's the most important factor in containing him or getting him under control? This is the basic why, because to have a good defense, you have to put pressure. So the first thing is the ball must be under pressure. The guards must be under pressure. 
So if the question is why I put this as the most important thing is because everything starts from that. It's a chain, it's a domino, but first start with that. We got to put pressure on the ball. We don't have to allow rejects. And if we can pass on the screen alone, we don't need any kind of drop, edge, flat, mm. <laughs> whatever it is. You know, if you can guard the ball alone, and put the pressure on the ball and the ball handler, you make the work for everyone. You make the, the team better. We have also a specific attention on that. We said, step into, you know, step into the pickerel. If you can step into the pickerel and disarm the screen, try to break the screen, that's it. So this is the best defense that we can have. And we don't need to talk about coverages. And putting pressure on the ball handler is not only his own defender, but it's also the big man. Why? Because we can be in a drop defense and still have pressure. Why? Because we are, you know, using hands, faking and getting back. So while the guard is putting pressure, the big man is using hands or edging on the guards. Let's see if they are so good to share the ball. Let's see if the ball ender is so good to throw ahead or pass to the short roll, to throw a pocket pass or have a behind the back pass. I don't know. I believe this is the most important thing. Why? Because defense is pressure and, you know, is offensive against the offense. We start with that. Like when you go on the court for practice, the first thing is get the ball and shoot. This is the same thing. The first thing is go and press the ball. Coach, can you just elaborate on stepping into the screen when applying ball pressure in the coverage? Technically or? Technically, yeah. What's the point of emphasis? It's one key point. Coaches must coach during team practice, but also during individual workouts. You got to step into means that you make a step into the defense without thinking, man, it's going to beat me one-on-one because this is the general thinking. You know, usually players say, if I'm so aggressive, I can be beating one-on-one. Trust me, it's not like this. If you are aggressive, you put your chest, your legs into him, into the offense, you're going to solve a lot of problems. Let's say, I make a lot of video about this. When the big man calls the pick and roll, if you are two meters away, one meters away, one meters and a half, probably you're going to stuck mm-hmm. on screen. If you don't recognize the call and make a step into the offense. So when the big man calls, you have to not make a step behind, but step forward. Go into him. That's what we mean, what we intend to. And don't be afraid. Also because if they are coming with the big man to set a screen, probably if you step, and go into him and he's going to drive that you get beaten one-on-one because you have a bad stance because you were too open, your angle was a bad angle, so you were allowing, you know, a straight drive. Probably the, the big man is there, he's coming, he's filling the gap, he's building a wall for you. So don't worry yeah. about that. We have people to help you, <laughs> you know. When you speak with a big man, you ask him to hedge, you know, to show up aggressive. Don't worry, go. Usually players are worried about being yell <laughs> you know you start yelling on him because you get beaten one-on-one no don't worry make sure that he understands that if he steps and he show his aggressiveness he show that he can be aggressive on the ball and maybe once in a while also go alone on the piccolo and you're allowed to do that and you allow them to get beaten sometimes one-on-one it's good for them and you make them understand that if you are aggressive it's not a problem you know you have people to help you have the teammates that they are ready to help you. Don't worry about that. Just worry about being aggressive, step, go into him, and that will be fine every time. Also, because 
For example, if I want to play under whatever picker roll, if I'm one meter and a half, two meters away, the under yeah. will be a three-point pull-up because I'm preparing the under and I will be under at the free throw line. You know, it's classic. So yes. <laughs> if I'm into him, if I'm on the ball, aggressive, I can play under also on Milos, also on Bellinelli probably, because I'm so aggressive on the ball that I can slide under, very aggressive. Of course, the setting, the angle that Bigman is choosing is important. 45 degrees, you know, or parallel to the sideline is important. But if I'm aggressive, I'm good. If I see that somebody is aggressive, yeah. good. Absolutely. <laughs> it's perfect. Coach, you're off the start, sub, or sit hot seat. So thank you for playing that game with us. That was a lot of fun. For me too. It was really, it was really fun. Hard but fun. Okay, good. (laughs) Good. We got one more question for you to end the show. Before we end, this was really, really fun. Thank you for all the thoughts and your time today. This was great. No, thank you. Really. I believe that what you guys do, it's amazing. And this conversation is makes me think that it's even better. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> thank you, coach. I really have a lot of fun. You, you guys are great. I love to talk about that. It. It's super. Thank you very much. Coach, our last question for you, and it's a question we ask all the guests on the show. What's one of the best investments that you've made in your career so far as a coach? Mm. People, relationship. I believe in that. A part of when you reach your goals, this is one of my goals, you know, to be at the top. It was also... I made a promise to my father to reach that level, you know? So like, you know, <laughs> this is of course important, but during the journey, all the people I met, I mean, the luck that I had, it's unbelievable. For example, today I met two new personal like you, maybe to future friends, I don't know, to simply to other coaches that I will share information. And for me, something that is, has no, you cannot pay for it. You know what I mean? So I believe in that. Again, I'm working with Sergio and before a great coach is a great person. I really be happy to share not the court with him, but the relation with him, <laughs> the, some words with him. This is my biggest investment and it's not repaid by anything else. So the first thing that I can say, of course, I can talk about investment. I can talk about players, coaches. I can talk about the books. I can talk about everything, but this is the one and only. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please make sure to visit slappingglass.com for more information on our free newsletter, Slapping Glass Plus, and much more. Have a great week coaching, and we'll see you next time on Slapping Glass. Do we have a name yet for this thing? I have like slapping backboard. <laughs> slapping glass. <laughs> slapping glass. That's kind of funny. I like that. That's good. Those are all <laughs> slapping glass.